may be listening to this podcast on your laptop or your phone. Within your device's internal hardware, there is a master code, integral to its everyday functioning. Let's say a virus is introduced into a few lines of the master code, mutating it ever so slightly. The virus may lay silent for several years, slowly spreading through more and more of the device's code. It could forever lay hidden, without altering your everyday computer or phone use, or it could spread briskly, causing a complete hardware shutdown. Like computers, humans have an integral genetic code. Sometimes mutations can occur in our code, which may cause downstream effects in the body. In this podcast, we will discuss the implications of an abnormal proliferation of mutated antibodies. Today, you are in the outpatient GIM clinic. Our patient has MGUS, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wars and on call. Today's episode is titled, Bad Blood, MGUS, also known as monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. Time for our minute physiology. All blood cells develop from a single hematopoietic stem cell. This hematopoietic stem cell creates both myeloid stem cells and lymphoid stem cells. Myeloid stem cells and its derivatives eventually create megakaryocytes, erythrocytes, basophils, neutrophils, eosinophils, and monocytes. The lymphoid cell will create a lymphoblast. This lymphoblast produces natural killer cells and small lymphocytes. We're almost there. The small lymphocyte will create T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes. When B lymphocytes are activated, they transform into plasma cells. Each plasma cell produces a single species of antibodies. Antibodies, or immunoglobulins, are a collection of amino acids. An antibody molecule, as you will remember, looks like a two-pronged fork and consists of four polypeptide chains, two identical light chains and two identical heavy chains. Humans have five types of immunoglobulins, IgA, IgD, IgE, IgG, and IgM. Multiple myeloma is thought to arise from cytogenic abnormalities, which cause plasma cells to undergo uncontrolled proliferation, escape apoptosis, and invade the immune system. The malignant cells will produce one type, or in other words, monoclonal, immunoglobulins, or light chains. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. When thinking about multiple myeloma and its precursor, monoglonal gammopathy of undetermined significance, or MGUS, the key numbers to remember are 30 and 10. You'll be asked to recall these numbers later on in the episode, so remember, 30 and 10. An M protein, or M peak, is the name given to an abnormal proliferation of a monoclonal antibody. MGUS is the presence of an M protein of less than 3 grams per deciliter, or 30 grams per liter, depending on the units used in your lab, with less than 10% clonal plasma cells in the bone marrow, and the absence of end-organ damage or myeloma-defining events. 
Features of end-organ damage in multiple myeloma include hypercalcemia, renal insufficiency, anemia, and osteolytic bone lesions, also known by the acronym CRAB. In the general population aged over 50, there is a 3% incidence of MGUS. Conversely, in patients aged less than 50, there is only a 0.3% chance that they have MGUS. The prevalence of MGUS is higher in African Americans. MGUS is a precursor to multiple myeloma, but also to Waldenstorm's macroglobinemia and immunoglobulin light chain amylodosis. Waldenstorm macroglobinemia is defined as the presence of 10% or greater bone marrow infiltration by lymphoplasmacytic cells and an IgM-M protein of any size. When do you test for MGUS? Because it does not cause any symptoms, MGUS is a silent malignant precursor, and it is usually an incidental finding. When an M protein is detected, further diagnostic testing is warranted to rule out plasma cell dyscrasias, like multiple myeloma, lymphoplasmacytic lymphoma, Waldenstorm's macroglobinemia, and AL amyloidosis. You may think of testing a patient for monoclonal gammopathies or plasma cell dyscrasias, if they present with specific findings, such as diffuse lytic bone lesions, macroglossia, infiltrative cardiomyopathy, engorgement of the retinal veins, unexplained anemia or renal dysfunction, and constitutional symptoms. However, most of these malignancies will have nonspecific signs. Current guidelines do not recommend the screening of asymptomatic patients for MGUS. Because plasma cell dyscrasias are rare and MGUS is common, you will likely see more patients with MGUS in your practice. It is therefore important to know how to manage and follow up with these patients. Let's talk about investigations. How do we assess for plasma cell dyscrasias? Initial diagnostic testing includes serum protein electrophoresis, or SPEP, urine electrophoresis, or UPEP, serum immunofixation, and free light chains. These tests are also helpful to characterize the type and severity of MGUS. Let's go into these tests a bit further. With SPEP, a sample of serum is placed on a gel. An electrical charge is applied, which separates proteins based on their physical characteristics. The pattern of SPEP results depends on the quantities of two major proteins in the body, albumin and globulins. On a normal SPEP, albumin is your tallest peak, followed by alpha-1, alpha-2, beta-1, beta-2, and gamma globulin. When there is an isolated peak in one globulin zone, this represents a monoclonal gammopathy or a possible malignant proliferation of one globulin protein. Urine electrophoresis is a 24-hour collection of urine and essentially works the same way as SPEP. It provides more information, such as if a patient with multiple myeloma has a risk of renal injury. However, M-proteins are not always present in the urine of patients with a monoclonal gammopathy. UPEP has the lowest sensitivity of all tests used for plasma cell dyscrasias. Therefore, it should never be used as a sole screening test. Serum immunofixation involves electrophoresis to stick globulins in parallel lines on a gel sample. Then, antibodies against heavy and light-chain immunoglobulins are applied to each lane. Performing this test helps increase detection rates of multiple myeloma. 
And finally, serum-free light chains is a test which uses antibodies against antigens, which are normally hidden in immune globulins. The test will calculate the absolute values of kappa and lambda-free light chains, as well as a ratio. A normal ratio is between 0.26 and 1.25. A high abnormal ratio suggests a kappa clone, while a low abnormal ratio suggests a lambda clone. Let's now discuss the types of MGUS. Do you remember the two numbers that you memorized at the beginning of this episode? 30 and 10. Remember, all types of MGUS are characterized by bone marrow plasma infiltration of less than 10% and no evidence of signs or symptoms which could represent other lymphoproliferative malignancies. Patients with MGUS progress to a symptomatic plasma cell proliferative disorder or lymphoproliferative disorder at a rate of 1% per year. There are three types of MGUS, IgM MGUS, non-IgM MGUS, and light chain MGUS. IgM MGUS is diagnosed when serum IgM is less than 30 grams per liter on SPEP. IgM MGUS can classically progress into Waldenstrom's macroglobinemia, but in rare cases can progress to myeloma. Non-IgM MGUS has almost the same definition, except it occurs when serum monoclonal protein of the non-IgM subtype is less than 30 grams per liter. About 80% of myeloma originates from non-IgM MGUS. IgA MGUS, which falls under the non-IgM category, can have a particularly rapid progression. And finally, light chain MGUS is diagnosed when there is an abnormal serum-free light chain ratio, no immunoglobulin heavy chain expression on immunofixation, and UPEP protein findings of less than 300 mg over 24 hours. About 20% of myeloma originates from light chain MGUS. What should you do if you see a patient in clinic for MGUS? There is no specific treatment for MGUS, as it is a pre-malignant disease. However, it is important to know what other tests to order and how to follow these patients. At the initial consult, creatinine, CBC, and calcium are also ordered. This is to test for the CRAB symptoms of multiple myeloma, particularly hypercalcemia, renal failure, and anemia. Don't worry, we'll go over these more in the next episode. Skeletal imaging and bone marrow biopsy are performed on some patients with MGUS to rule out active multiple myeloma and other lymphoproliferative malignancies or plasma cell dyscrasias. The type of MGUS and other clinical symptoms the patient may present with can help clinicians make the decision as to whether to order these extra tests. The International Myeloma Working Group suggests that all patients with MGUS be reassessed in six months' time with a CBC, creatinine, calcium, SPEP, and serum-free light chain. After initial follow-up, patients with low-risk MGUS only need additional follow-up if symptoms of a plasma cell dyscrasia develop. The Mayo Risk Stratification Model defines low risk as patients who have all of the following. Serum M protein of less than 15 grams per liter, IgG isotype, and a normal free light chain ratio. All other patients should have annual follow-up. At these follow-ups, a progressive rise in M protein is a sign of progression. Time for our Medicine Minute. Did you know 
a recently published cohort study in the New England Journal of Medicine, followed 1,384 patients with MGUS residing in Minnesota for a median follow-up of 34 years. They measured a primary endpoint of progression to multiple myeloma or other lymphoid disorders. Among patients with IgM MGUS, the presence of two adverse risk factors, namely an abnormal serum free light chain ratio, which as you can remember is the ratio of capital lambda free light chains, and a high serum monoclonal protein or M protein level of over 15 gram per liter was associated with a risk of progression at 20 years of 55% as compared with 19% among patients who had neither risk factor. So that's it, everything you need to know about MGUS. Let's finish with two takeaway points. MGUS is diagnosed when bone marrow clonal proliferation is less than 10%, M protein is less than 3 grams per deciliter or 30 grams per liter, and there are no crab symptoms or myeloma defining events. MGUS, although asymptomatic and often an incidental finding, is an important clinical diagnosis. Proper follow-up of this disease can aid prompt diagnosis of life-threatening malignancies. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Bad Blood, MGUS. This episode was written and produced by Zara Morali, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Laura Habib, clinical fellow in malignant hematology, Dr. Mohammed Aljama, malignant hematologist, and Dr. Rajinder Hanmaya, general internist. The Internetwork series was created by Alison Lai, developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos, and overseen by Dr. Daniel Brandt Vegas. Music production by Laxman Zamanth Mohan. If you liked this podcast, please like and subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. Please also visit our website, www.theinternetwork, to check out our infographic on MGUS and myeloma, as well as additional reading material. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.